teaching in, uh, if you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, you remember we left it at the point where we'd found it was blessed to be poor in spirit, and then it was blessed to mourn. And we discussed what it meant to be blessed, to be poor in spirit, and then blessed to mourn. And I want to go on tonight to the next verse. We'll start at verse 1 and just read it through. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And uh, this weekend, those are the three we're going to deal with. And I want to talk firstly about blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. You know, meekness is the absolute opposite of what the world would expect if someone wanted to inherit the earth. If you want to gain position in the world today and if you want to go in the world and achieve anything, the first thing you must be is assertive, aggressive determined, single-minded, without moral. That's what you have to be to get anywhere, really. In the world, you cannot really accomplish anything unless you are like that. That tough, assertive, aggressive nature self-assured. Awful thing, but that's the type of person who gets on in the world. Full of bluff and bluster. Much bluff and an awful amount of bluster. And usually no spine behind it. Because when you ever tackle someone like that who's of the spirit of the world, you find they crumble. Like apple crumble. They just go all to pieces when you stand up to them. And yet that is the kind of attitude to get on the in the world and, and in the ways of the world. That's what you need. Well, the church is exactly the opposite. Christ said, blessed are the meek. Now meekness requires a new nature. You need to be a new man. It belongs to a different kingdom. There is no meekness in the world. In the spirit of the world, there is no such thing as meekness. It's not a natural attribute. Do understand it. I'm not going to talk tonight about a natural attribute that people have. You know, there are uh, attitudes that the world would take as meekness. You can get a dog, you know, and some dogs have nice natures. 
Some dogs have nasty natures. In fact, you can find in one litter of dogs a sweet-natured dog and a vicious dog. It's just their nature. And there are some people who are awfully nice, but it's just an animal passion. Niceness can just be an animal thing, a natural thing. We had a dog called Cindy until she was run over by a van, but she had a sweet nature after she was subdued. And the older she got, the sweeter she got. But that was no virtue. And that's not what I'm talking about. And I want to spend some time tonight looking at what meekness really is. I need to know what it is and what it isn't. Because in the world's eyes, when they take this sermon, as I've said, blessed are the poor, they, they mean that poverty by that. They totally ignore it, it says poor in spirit. Those that mourn, they, they totally get out of context, and that's a progression. And now we come to the third progression. And that is, those that are meek, they shall inherit the earth. And I want to look at it and discuss it from several points of view, so it might enlighten you as to how you're not meek. It might show you that what you consider meekness is pride and arrogance. And what God considers meekness is so many eons apart from man's mentality. It was a great shock to the Jews, you know, when Christ got up on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, I said this epistle was written to the Jews. Mainly Matthew wrote to the Jews. And it was a great shock to them to find this Messiah that had come uh, was getting up and preaching such things. I mean, fancy the one who they expected to be a mighty deliverer, the one who they expected was going to lead an armed revolt against Rome and was going to throw off the shackles of Rome and was going to bring mighty deliverance by war and was going to establish his mighty kingdom on earth by violence. This king stood on a mountaintop and started saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He was saying things the Jews didn't want to hear. You'll find later in John's Gospel, it talks of how on Palm Sunday, as we call it in our, whatever you call it, calendar, I suppose, blasphemous calendar, uh, you know, the Anglican Church have a Palm Sunday. But when Christ went into Jerusalem and they strewed his way with garments and palms, they wanted to take him by force and make him king. What the Jews wanted was a king of violence, a king who was going to bring deliverance in the natural realm. But the Lord Jesus Christ came to establish a spiritual kingdom. And so when he got up and he spoke this to the Jews, it was the absolute opposite of what they wanted. They didn't like it. Even the disciples said of Jesus, you remember in Acts 2, uh, Acts 1, they said, Lord, are you at this time going to reestablish your kingdom? They were looking for a natural kingdom. 
But Christ came to establish a spiritual kingdom. And meekness is a spiritual asset. It's not something that has anything to do with the world. Nothing to do with the world at all. And they were amazed. And you know the church today is a church that has the same spirit as the Jews had. What they want in the church today is to establish kingdoms. If you think about the ecumenical movement, for instance, wicked movement, devil-inspired, devil-orientated, and devil-strengthened, you will find certain things about the ecumenical movement. One thing is they believe that great numbers give you great power. In fact, they believe if we get all get together as Christians, we'll be able to turn the world round. And all the time that spirit says, let's get together, let's organize. We've got a strong enemy to defeat called the devil. But if only we all got together and we all put our wits together and our abilities together and we mobilized together and we preached together and we spoke with one voice, we could rout the devil. Yet Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Denominationalism is pushing further and further into extremes of let's get power, let's unite, let's speak with one voice. We can only change things if we do it with a united front. And Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In other words, the church is going diametrically opposed to Christ's message. The church of today wants big things. Imagine a big church in America. There are big churches there with 10,000 in, 20,000. Why, Yonge Church's church, if, if one could believe the mythical stories with 100,000, maybe. And who knows, not true believers, but people that go there to Yonge Cho's dinner party where he serves up the same sermon ten times in a day. God deliver us from such things, but he does it. And the Asians are foolish enough to walk in. But there we have a, 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 a church and they believe they have great power. Why? He went to a bank manager when he wanted a loan and said, well, all my church members will bank at your bank if you give me the money. But somehow I think the meek shall inherit the earth. That's what Christ says. Speaking one day and saying how the church was going to take over the world, it was going to take over business, it was going to take over government. My Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. I remember the movements that grew up with discipleship saying, if only everyone submits to us, you know, these were the apostles, then, you know, we'll have real power. Well, they got real power, not from God. They got real power. But my Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. And it's diametrically opposed to all the moves. Imagine Gideon. Got a lot of people all along. 
And God wanted to do great exploits. And what did God do with his multitude? Cut it down to size. The church says, let's grow big. God says, let's get small. There's too many. The church and people, a natural man would say, we need many. Wesley, that great man of God, he says, give me ten men. Now, modern evangelist says, give me 500. There's a difference in perspective. You see, if it's God, ten will do. If it's man, you need the 500. <laughs> they won't do much either. But you need them. And what we have to understand is God's ways aren't our ways. God says, give me just a few. I don't believe it's right to start a big denomination. In fact, I'm sure it's wrong. I don't think we'd ever get any power by going and getting multitudes of churches to believe the same thing and go out under the same banner. I don't think it would do anything. What I do believe is we must be available for God to move in our hearts and lives and let him work if he wants to. And if he doesn't and we holds his hand well so be it the meek shall inherit the earth not the mighty not the strong the meek and it's a different way to the ways of man do you know there's a movement started up in Brentwood naturally by a woman it's called the Christian CND Nuclear disarmament for Christians and in the United Church, naturally. You know, say more, Phyllis. Uh, one of your old buddies, no doubt. Anyway, she's started a movement. Nuclear disarmament. She wants Christians to join. Throw away your weapons and the Russians will love you. Well, of course they will, as long as you become their slave. She says, if only all the Christians got together, the world could be changed. I say, if all the so-called Christians in the world got together, it would get worse. For surely it would have to be on the basis of compromise. couldn't be on the basis of truth. For they believe such diverse things. Man wants big things. God just looks for the small. And he says the meek shall inherit the earth. I remember years ago there was a man called Peter Hill. He decided one day he got a vision. His vision was that people should all walk to Hyde Park. He called it Festival of Light. And they had a march through London and I think they got 10 or maybe 20,000 people walking to Hyde Park and they had one of the big meetings it was one of the first kind of rallies or witness for Jesus in the days, early days of CND must have been 15 years ago I suppose I don't know, some time ago anyway what happened? this great witness that was going to wake up England and was going to bring revival to England according to his vision what happened to it? where is it? Man needs great things. All denominations walk there. 
all abominations met together. And what happened to it? He was a shooting star, got notoriety for saying he'd got a vision. A lot of people plodded down and wasted a lot of leather and made the shoeman happy. And that's about all it achieved. I don't think it achieved anything else. That's man's way. God's way is the meek shall inherit the earth. You know, meek, what does it mean? Well, you remember this. Three steps to this stage. Firstly, you've got to be poor in spirit. That means you know your absolute poverty. Secondly, you had to mourn over your lost estate. You had to know the absolute evil degradation in your soul and now we come to the third thing meekness now you can't be meek if you haven't come through the first two if you don't know the absolute depravity and evil of your nature and soul there's no way you could ever be meek if you don't know the wickedness of your heart and if you've never mourned over it with all your being and cried out to God for deliverance you can't be a meek person. It's impossible. You can't even touch this place. For it's the third step in a progression in your soul and spirit. And you need to understand that. It's truly spiritual. Do you know one thing I've discovered? I was talking to some people the other night and I talk to people all the time. And I think I mentioned it the other day about a woman who used to pray, Lord, make me a doormat. You know? Remember how she became a porcupine every time you trod on her. But um, one thing I've learned about people is they can tell you how bad they are. They can tell you how they know they're twisted, depraved, wicked and everything. Now that's fine agree with them and begin to point out some extra faults and you find that they're not meek. A meek person really knows his depravity. A meek person has a real estimation of himself and he doesn't object to other people when they tell him what's true. But a lot of people, if you want to know whether you're meek, how do you react when people tell you what you're really like? What rises in you when the finger's put on you? When someone brings your faults to the fore and to the light, how do you react inside? Rise up inside into self-defense and anger and self-justification? You're not a meek person, you're proud. You've never really seen the depths of depravity of your own soul. There's no meekness there. Always find out who's meek and who isn't. Just tell them a few home truths. Oh, they'll tell you, oh, I know I can't do anything. I know that I'm a sinner. I know, but you tell them they're a sinner. And you start pointing out some of the things they need dealing with in their lives. You find out how meek they are. Well, it's not really my fault. It's not that way. You don't understand. No one understands me. You only gave me a chance. 
That's not meekness. That's an arrogance. The meek person, he just knows, you know. Are those the only things you know about? There's hundreds more. A meek person just knows. A meek person doesn't try and justify himself. A meek person has no answer. He just accepts that that's it. But he has to come through the stage of knowing poverty of spirit and knowing the true mourning of the spirit before he can come to meekness. That's why most people are never meek. And that's the awful thing about it. I want to look at one or two um, points. You know, one of the things is, if someone puts a searchlight on you and really starts to search you out, how do you feel about it? Are you grateful? Some people don't even come to see me because they're worried. I'll tell them the truth. They'll avoid me. Some people are worried that I'll speak it out. I remember a man who lost his mind because I used to go to meetings and he was worried one day I'd denounce him publicly. I never would have done. In fact, God hid his problem from me. But he had a nervous breakdown in the end because he feared. Now, that wasn't meekness. His pride was so enormous, caused him to have a nervous breakdown. Meek man knows his own depravity and accepts that's the way he is and accepts the filthiness and degradation of his soul and sees the poverty of spirit and says, Oh God, help me. And he counts a person a friend who will tell him the truth, not an enemy. Are you meek? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What happens when someone, someone who you don't particularly like, begins to tell you the truth about yourself? Are you all sweetness and honey? Or do we find out how little meekness there is within? When that person you can't stand and whose faults you hate because they're so much like yours begins to tell you just what you're like because she can recognize her own faults in you and thinks they're yours, not hers. How do you react? Sweetness and life. Meek? Or is there that rising within? That fury within? You know, quick feeling of you shouldn't judge me. Who are you to find fault with me? You know that ever such proud, arrogant little heart you have? Who are you to think? You know, you might not say it. You might be outwardly meek enough to shut your mouth. But inwardly, what goes on? Huh? Inwardly, what you thinking? Well, inwardly is what you are. 
As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I was amused the other night I pointed something out to someone, and boy, you should have seen the daggers in the eyes. Meekness? No meekness there. The meek shall inherit the earth. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Are you meek? Hmm? Has God's spirit worked that far in you yet? Has he begun to do things in you that will bring that spirit of meekness and of the lamb into your heart and life? Blessed are the meek. You know, if we look at Abraham and you start taking his life and you look at it, look when he was with Lot. There was a division and contention amongst the herdsmen and he came to Lot and he said, you're my younger cousin, you go that way, that's less good than this way, I've got the rights, I'll take the better pasture. Is that the way he behaved? No, he just called him to him and he said, Lot, he said, look you, Look out on the land. Choose which one you want. And Lot looked where the green was towards Sodom and Gomorrah and said, I'll have that plain. It was beautiful and full of rich grass and the herdsmen would like it and it was well watered. And I'll have that, Abram. I know you bought me this far and I've got great wealth, but you have the rubbish, man. What did Abraham do? Say, you're a bit selfish, Lot. No, he just went took the second best. That was meekness. Then you look at Moses. Moses could have been brought up, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, in the palace. But he chose to be a Jew amongst his own people, despised and hated. Chose to leave Pharaoh's palace. Meek. Then you look at King David. King David... Before he was made king, he had been anointed king. He knew he was going to be king. And yet Saul was the king. And how he went, he played to Saul and the evil spirit departed from Saul. How at times Saul would pick up a javelin and throw it at David and try and murder him. Yet David still acknowledged him as king. He knew that the one who made him king would be the Lord. That's a meek man. Then you look at someone like Paul. Great intellectual sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And yet the church in Corinth despised him, said all manner of evil against him, and, and said all, all kinds of accusations going throughout the church. And Paul just writes them and says, Well, I'm weak in bodily presence. Says my weakness you despised. Well, who's Paul, who's Apollos? That's meekness. You got that spirit? That's the spirit of Christ. You look on and you find um, Jesus himself said to people, Come unto me, all you that labor, and I will give you rest. Why? For I am meek and lowly of heart. Jesus was meek. He was so meek that he turned round to people and he said, The Father that dwelleth in me, 
He doeth the works. I don't do them. Don't, don't think it's me. It's Father that does it all. Don't give me any credit, said Jesus. It's Father that dwelleth in me. He does the works. And he was so meek, he allowed wicked men to take him and crucify him on Calvary's cross. When Pilate was there in the judgment hall and the high priests and the lying witnesses all accused him, he didn't even open his mouth to defend himself. Have you got that spirit? Meekness. That's the spirit of Christ. The mark of Christ. As I said, it's not a natural quality. Naturally speaking, we're not like that. And do you know one of the amazing things? When God chooses people, he chooses them totally contrary to their nature. Everyone's chosen totally contrary to their nature. Human nature's not meek. Human nature just has no meekness in it. Look at your own heart. That should tell you something. Look at the way you behave. That should tell you a lot. Look at the way you react. That should tell you everything. Shouldn't it? Hmm? Just let someone tread on your corn and they'll find out what a sweet, sweet spirit of Jesus you have. After you've hit them. With your tongue. With your anger. With a bitterness of heart. How easy. How easy. Meek. Shall inherit the earth. Are you meek? Hmm? People say of you. Well that's one person who's got meekness you know meekness is not weakness meekness is compatible with tremendous strength meekness is compatible with great authority meekness is compatible with great power do you know the people who are really powerful and the people who really have authority don't need to assert it. It's just there. You meet people who somehow can stand up and they can speak out and they can stand by what they believe and people know they've got authority. It bugs them. I always remember years ago when I started in ministry it's a woman who you know, was a doormat, turned porcupine. And one of her complaints about me, and I remember her making it, she said, Do you know that man? That man, she said, every time he says something, it's got authority. It's wrong. Why has he got authority when he says it? So that people accept. She couldn't figure it out. But you know the Spirit of God, he's got authority. But you don't need to impose authority. There were so-called apostles. I remember a local vicar around here came to me and he asked me a question. He said, tell me this. He said, how come that you don't believe in discipleship 
and yet your people submit to you? How come you teach the opposite, and yet they submit? Well, he hadn't learned a secret. Authority is in God. It's the anointing that's authority. Man has no authority other than the anointing. If the anointing speaks, the authority is there. And if the anointing's not speaking, no matter how hard you try, you can't persuade anyone to do anything. When I told him that, he, well, he didn't believe I was born again, I suppose, so how could he believe what I said? You know, man, he thought I was a devil. Which probably still does. Every so often I hit a golf ball towards him just to let him know. Meekness. Meekness is something else, you know. It's not weakness. A meek person can have authority. Have power, have strength, and yet be meek. Now the natural world couldn't accept that. And yet you take someone like Jeremiah. There he was with an unpopular message. Poor old Jeremiah <laughs> preached something that all the other prophets preached sweet things. Old Jeremiah, who had got the true message from God, told it the way it was. And they didn't like Jeremiah. And he told it the way it was, and he got persecuted. But he was meek enough to obey God's will and speak what God wanted. A meek man will run against the tide. The popular tide is not the tide which I can flow under. A meek man is prepared to go God's way. You know, Spurgeon recalls how there was an old Scottish Presbyterian minister and he was called in to the whatever the Presbyterians have. I can't remember. Presbytery, I suppose. I don't know what they have. No, it was the Synod. They had a Synod, the Presbyterians, up in Scotland in Spurgeon's day and they called this old man in and they'd gone into modernist teaching. And they said to this old man, they said, Old man! Don't you understand that, that our science has gone on, our intelligence has gone on, our understanding's gone on, he said, they said to him. And, and you need to change your preaching to meet with the times. You need to realize that the need of the times is the thing you preach to. And so this old man, he looked at him and he said, well, tell me this, he said. Do all you people here, do all of you, preach to the need of the times? And they all with one voice said, yes we do. And he said, well then, please let one little humble soul preach the old gospel, will you? I mean, if all of you are giving the message for the times, can't I just give one out of time? He was the only one who preached the truth. The rest were just jingalos. Preaching for men. Meekness. How many want to hear about the spirit of meekness? When they believe, we've got the power of the Holy Ghost to set you free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just come here. We'll lay hands on you. You'll be healed. You'll be delivered. Uh, bank balance low. We'll pay $10 and it'll be doubled. Uh, got any troubles? You know, just come to us. Want your relations converted? Well, let's join in prayer now, brother. Drop a ten-pound note in that bin and it's done. Glory to God. I've seen it. I've been amazed. 
meekness. I've heard people instructing God what he's got to do for the whole of the next year. They tell him, Lord, come down, convert this person, do this, do that, heal this one, do that, deliver this one. Lord, do it now in Jesus' name. And, you know, Jesus said the meek shall inherit the earth. That's not the spirit that pervades in our church, is it? I'm talking about the church in the world today. <laughs> say, well, you know, what's this? People come to me and say, why do you cry in the meetings? If they saw the state of their own soul, they'd be crying. God gave them a bit of light, they'd have something to weep for. In fact, it makes you weep to realize they don't see it, and therefore they don't weep, they don't mourn. But meekness, it's a quality of your inner spirit. It's not an outward attitude. Do you know, you can adopt meekness, but inside it won't be, unless God changes your nature. Your inward nature has to be changed to be truly meek. When people really tell you the way you are and point out your faults, how goes it inside, my friend? Hmm? Jesus changed your nature. When people begin to tell you just the way you are, how goes it? All sweetness inside. Big thank you. I appreciate that. You might say it with a smile. But what's going on inside? I can't stand them. How dare you? Who do they think they are? Or is there that sweet spirit of Christ? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know what meekness really is? It's having a true estimation of yourself. That's true meekness. When I really see myself as I am, then I won't worry what partial little glimpses people have of me. You know, people come to me and they've told me I've got this problem and that problem. Ha! Poor pathetic creatures. They don't know a millionth of it. They only see the superficial little things on the top. They don't know the nature inside. You know, human nature and the depravity of it. They don't see the depth of it. They only see little superficial problems. They say, oh, what about this, what about that? If you've got a true estimation of yourself, you won't worry about the people that just see the odd pimple. Who cares? That's not the problem. What about the cancer inside? What about the nature that's twisted and distorted and perverted from your first birth? What about the drives that God is seeking to deliver you from what about the 
things in your soul that yet have to be dealt with? What about the enemies that walk tall that no one knows of? Just you in your little quiet time with your little self-indulgence and bitterness. Huh? What about those? How we rise up, don't we, when someone puts his finger on one little thing, don't we? How we get upset. But if we get true meekness, that's a real estimation of how God sees us, then we begin to have a different attitude. See, firstly, I need poverty of spirit, and I need to know I'm poor in spirit. Secondly, I need to mourn over my estate. Thirdly, I come to meekness. How few even get that far. I know myself as God sees me. Vile, helpless, hopeless, totally depraved. Not an ounce of goodness in me anywhere. Rotten from head to foot. And then I worry because someone thinks I've got a little problem. I can imagine it. You've only got to touch the surface with some people and they fly almost into a tantrum of self-justification. They haven't even got a glimpse of what's inside themselves. They have no estimation of the way God sees them. If they did, well, it's so superficial what's been said, it wouldn't even bother them. Be like a fly on the back of a rhinoceros. But with some people, you'd think it was a ten-ton weight hammering on them. Meek. Have you got a meek spirit? Now, let me say something here. Meekness is not sensitivity. You know there are the self-sensitive people. Have you met those people? The people who have such a self-image that they're so sensitive, they worry. They see two people talking together and one t takes a sideways glance at them and they think, I wonder what they're saying about me. I bet they're talking about me. They're so self-conscious and self-orientated and self-self self and they've got this big idea now that isn't meekness you know nor is self-deprecation meekness people who say oh well i know i'm helpless and hopeless people that go on and on like that you know that's the last thing they really believe because as soon as you start agreeing with them and telling them how bad they are they fly to their own defense as i said before that's not anything to do with it You shouldn't be sensitive about yourself because really, if you're honest, how many of you can honestly say in your life there is nothing worth defending? Huh? How many of you can honestly say it? Can't one of you say that? Isn't there anyone here that realizes there's nothing worth defending in you? 
There's nothing worth defending. Is there? The faith in you is worth defending. <laughs> Father, note that. John, if the faith in you was worth defending, I've never met such an unbeliever, I can tell you. That's not worth defending. Your faith in you, faith in God, that's a different thing. There's nothing in man that's worth defending. Nothing. There's nothing in you, there's nothing in me that's worth defending. Now when I really get a vision of the way God sees it, and I realize there's nothing worth defending, I'm coming near to a place of meekness. Not there, but near. But most people can never bear that. They, 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 they love self so much. They're so self-orientated. They're worried. You know, touch a person about their kids and see how meek they are. Point out some problem their kids have got and find out what a sweet spirit that's not worth defending comes forth. Huh? Meek. The meek shall inherit the earth. You say, well, that's a high standard. No, it's just God's standard. That's perfect. How can I have that standard? Well, I can't. How can I get there? I can't. I need God's Spirit within. He's there already. In other words, I need to have the nature of God and become a partaker of the divine nature to have that. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the meek. You know the only ones who will ever inherit the earth? Are Christ and those that are like him. But partakers of that divine nature. What a wonderful thing. Things you know you have to learn is self-pity. That awful thing has no place in meekness. You meet people who are so sorry for themselves. I meet them and hear them say, well, if only people gave me a chance. They don't understand. If only people would try and understand me. Poor me, me, me. No one understands me, me, me. I've got my problems, problems, problems. No one understands my past. No one's got the problems I have got. No one appreciates how I feel. You know, that self-pitying, groveling, filthy spirit. Nothing to do with meekness. God deliver us from it. Self-pity is the enemy of meekness. Awful, awful spirit. Bunyan wrote, He that is down need fear no fool. Get the point? If you're flat on the floor, don't worry, you can't fall anywhere. 
If you really have come down in your own estimation, nothing anyone says is going to bring you any lower. You hit rock bottom long ago. And if you haven't hit rock bottom, <laughs> fear is a way to fool yet. Lower and lower until you're in the dust. Where Peter ended up, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Hmm? That's a place you have to come. I like that little expression of Bunyan's. He that is down need fear no fall. How far down are you? The meek person is right down at the bottom. Are you one of those, someone said to me the other day, she, she said, I, I'm still going down. Poor her. If you're still going down, you haven't got to the first base. Because the first base is the bottom. The base is always at the bottom. That's where you start. Meekness. You say, well, isn't there a progression? Well, there is a progression. The base gets lower. As you go on, you just kind of find your base goes down. You see, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And you find that there's a kind of way that God has, a gentle way of annihilating your self-esteem. It's called love. He brings you to a place where you realize how ugly and revolting and putrid you really are. And every day that goes on in your life, you get a greater conclusion when he sends temptation, he allows you to fall flat on your face and you realize you're just a bit worse than you really thought you were. And within 10 years, you find you're 10 times worse by 10 years than you ever thought you could be. And the base gets lower. And you get baser. Hmm? until in the end you come to a conclusion that well you're poor in spirit and then you begin to mourn over your estate and then you get to meekness until then you just can't be meek you keep fighting keep being full of self-pity keep being sorry for myself you know it's just no one understands but when you hit bottom what a pleasant relief when your kind of nose bounces along in the dust a few times and you think, cool, there's nowhere else to fall, I've hit the rock bottom. Don't worry, the base just gets lower then. But you're lying on it. And that's the way it goes. It means patience and long-suffering meekness, you know. Somehow only meek people can put up with things long-suffering an attitude well if people think that well so be it people want to go that way well so be it you know long-suffering is something that's strange you don't have long-suffering until you pastor a church then you suffer a long long time <laughs> It's long-suffering. And you wonder after you've pastored a church for a year, if only those things had happened the first year I'd pastored the church, I don't think I could have borne it. 
now they happen and I still can't bear it. But I've suffered that long <laughs> that I think there must be an end. Long suffering. And patience. Well, do you know, I think that I have mellowed with the years. My hair's going grey and now I actually hear things that once would have sent me into a crisis storm and now I think, well, But I know you little people have got a few shocks up your sleeves for me yet. You every morning is your trouble. And there's the long-sufferingness. Have you learned long-suffering? You, you married people, you married men. How long have you suffered? You married women. Fight the good fight of faith. Endure hardship. I can never understand why single women always want to become long-suffering. But there you are. When you become meek, you realize you've got no rights, no future, no cause. The whole future's in God's hands. That is when you become meek. A meek person is someone who's willing to do God's will and says, I come to do thy will, O God. That is true meekness. Total yielding to God. No rights, no justification, no cause of his own. Just going God's way. That's true meekness. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So often we feel we want to help God repay. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. But we like to be his instruments. We like to feel, you know, at least we could help him to get his vengeance. Of course, it does not cross our minds always that it's really our vengeance we want and God's not got much to do with it. But vengeance is mine. I will repay. You know, a meek person accepts that, well, God will deal with it in the end. There's no point in fighting. People want to do nasty things. There's a time to fight and there's a time not to. Certain people have said all sorts of things about us. and There's a time when you've got to stand for truth because there's a fight and there's a time where you just say, well, don't try and fight it, justify it. Let them get on with it. God will deal with them in the end. What's the point in fighting? A meek person doesn't need to. In the end, you'll find God will deal with them. Sometimes you realize how he's dealt with them, and it's quite horrific to see the results. A meek shall inherit the earth. In the end, we'll be with the Lord, reigning with him, living with him. The saints will judge the world. They'll judge the angels. Those who partake of that heavenly spirit, the meek, shall inherit the earth. It's beautiful. But you know it can only be brought about in your heart and my heart by one thing. And that is by God changing our natures within. You know, meekness you cannot work out in your being. You can't 
somehow say, well, I'm going to be meek. Unless God has brought you to that poverty of spirit, unless God has brought you to more, there is no meekness. Oh, that we might be the blessed ones who submit ourselves to the will of God and can say truly, Lord, all I want is your will. Don't fight our circumstances, don't fight our situations, but accept God's sovereign dealings. That is true meekness. Christ walked that path, and we're called to walk that path. The meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Are you blessed of God? A meek person? Or do you need the Spirit of God to do something real within and bring that spirit and nature within you? Is there a real cry in your heart, Oh God, that's so far from me and so unlike me. I need so much you to do that work within. Blessed are the meek, said Jesus for they shall inherit the earth. So different from the world, the Christian spirit. You've gone on from one step to the next. Poor in spirit, mourning, meek, totally yielded to God, totally submitted to his will, totally acknowledging his sovereignty and thanking him for it. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray. Father, thou knowest each heart, each life. Lord, we need that spirit within that brings the meekness of the Lamb. Lord, we need that Lamb-like nature. When people criticize us, we're more like wolves than lambs. When people tread on us, Lord, we'd sometimes turn around more like a serpent than a lamb. Oh God, in your mercy and your love, begin to search out each heart. Let there come that change within. A new heart and a new spirit, O oh God. Create a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within. Lord, do a work in each one. Let us see that it's your life and spirit that needs to be manifest. Bring meekness into our souls, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.